Here's everything you might have missed in Vox Machina Season 2, Episodes 4 through 6. Welcome back to Nerdist News. I'm Kyle Anderson. And today we're shifting planes because we have three brand new episodes of The Legend of Vox Machina to cover. Last week, the first three episodes of the series' second season premiered, and we saw one of the most shocking moments of the Critical Role campaign it's based on. And now, in these next three episodes, Vox Machina have to deal with the fallout of their actions as they continue their search for... You know what? If we go any further, I'll be in the spoiler plane, and nobody should go there unless they make the choice. So like those pillars in the show that you would know about if you saw episode 6, consider this your spoiler warning. I think that's the point. Episode 3, The Sunken Tomb, ended with a shocker for those who might not have seen episode 44 of Critical Role's first campaign. Because Vexalia, played by Laura Bailey, straight up got zapped by a trap and died. This mirrored exactly what happened in Critical Role when Laura rolled a crit fail on her save. And the episode ended with her brother Vax holding Vex's lifeless body and giving us a week of agita, wondering what would happen and if it would differ from how it all went down in Critical Role. And episode 4, titled Those Who Walk Away, doesn't get back to it right away. Instead, it opens with a flashback to when Vex found her bear, Trinket. There's nice foreshadowing here to the duo's future roles as an assassin rogue and beastmaster ranger. How this plays out in the show differs a bit, with Vax helping to free Vex from what seem to be lizard folk, but the change only serves to deepen their bond and make it so much more tragic that Vex has now died. Or has she? She has. Because Zara and Cash come back from their jaunt to find the Death Tableau. Cash springs to action, attempting a revival rite that requires the body to still be warm. This is a reference to the Revivify spell that was used on stream in episode 44, since that spell needs to be completed within one minute of death, or ten combat rounds if you're nasty. But trying a Revivify spell in the Temple of the Matron of Ravens, the Goddess of Death, is a no-go. Vax even sees the Raven Queen herself taking Vex's soul. That's when he tries to strike a bargain. Take me instead, you raven The Matron of Ravens seems to accept. Vex wakes up, and they all think Cash's spell saved her. Everyone is overjoyed. Almost missing that Vax is now wearing the Deathwalker's ward. On their way out of the tomb, Vax hears whispering around a frieze showing all the vestiges and the calamity, a massive apocalyptic war between the gods of Exandria. This is where the vestiges that Vox Machina seek came from. And if you want to know more about the Calamity, the Critical Role miniseries Exandria Unlimited colon Calamity has you covered. While Cash has been warming up to Vox Machina, Zara's got one more double cross up her sleeve and releases a monster that is similar to, but definitely legally distinct from, the Beholder from the stream. The monster petrifies the team, except for Cash and Vax, who has been on his own little side quest during this. Because Vax is sucked into a vision where he is attacked by Pervon, the former champion of the Matron of Ravens. <laughs> Pervon? Last name, Pedobear? <laughs> and Vax is outmatched. Nothing he does works until a vision of young Vex tells him that it's out of his control. He accepts getting sliced and his own inevitable death, which allows Vax to be the new champion. He awakens from his vision with the Deathwalker Ward armor glowing. This is a reference to the armor's awakened state, which on stream gave Vax a plus two AC bonus, advantage on death saves, and damage resistance. In the show, it gave him the edge to make some monster fillets in a really badass way before a well-aimed dagger ends the battle. After escaping the temple before they all drown, Vox Machina makes up with Zara and Cash. Zara wipes Vex's bounty clean and even gives Vex her locket. Now Vex can keep Trinket safe in a pocket dimension inside a trinket if there's danger. And Percy apologizes to Vex for setting off the trap that killed Vex. 
Percy gets punched in the face, which we knew he deserved. Vax then has a vision of someone dying in bed with the Matron of Ravens there. But at the end of the vision, he sees a gross undead version of himself. While this is a spoiler-filled episode, we don't want to get too spoilery to future seasons of the show. So suffice it to say, this is definitely foreshadowing. The episode ends with Anna Ripley watching Vox Machina from Westrun. Ripley's return was teased in last week's episode, and this is our first actual glimpse of her this season. Plus, Westrun is Pike and Grog's hometown, so seeing as it has also been conquered by the Chroma Conclave shows how far the dragons have spread from Emon. From there, we go to episode 5, Pass Through Fire, which also opens with a flashback. This time to Keyleth's childhood. Her mom, Vilia, is about to set out on her own Aramentate, mirroring Keyleth's later path. Vilia teaches Keyleth a valuable lesson. They are Arashari, made to pass through fire, and fire will only hurt her if she lets it. Vilia is played by Janet Varney, and we can only imagine that her mastery of air, earth, fire, and water is a reference to Janet's time-voicing avatar Korra in The Legend of Korra. And Kid Keyleth is played by Sam Regal's own kid, Kestrel Regal. From there, we're back to the present. Keyleth is distracted, they're near Pyra and the fire Ashari, and Pyra also happens to be the last place Vilia was seen alive before she disappeared. And Matt Mercer sure knows how to let a plotline simmer because the whole thing doesn't get solved until Critical Role Campaign 2. Remember Craven Edge, the sword that Grog's been using that he got off Silas Briarwood? You know the creepy sword that kept sucking up blood and talking about hunger last week? Well, it's still in Grog's ear. Grog talks to it while popping a squat, asking if it could ever be full. The sword, voiced by Matt Mercer, explains its deal. The blood of Grog's enemies feeds it, and in turn, their strength becomes Grog's. Sounds like a great deal that won't come back to bite him in the butt later on. Scanlan provides Grog with some legitimately beautiful poop accompaniment after asking, Uh, Grog, are you talking to your dookie? Uh, yep, yeah, just asserting my dominance. That night, Vax sees a vision of the Chroma Conclave's destruction and realizes that he can't take that dang Deathwalker's ward off. Being champion to the Matron of Ravens is not a job he can quiet quit. Then Vox Machina is back on the road where Pike and Grog sing a road song about chodes. A fantasy series singing songs about roads is really keeping the Tolkien tradition alive. And we finally get some payoff to the broom Scanlan found at Gilmore's in the first episode of the season. Of course it flies! But on this joyride, Scanlan sees a volcano. It's supposed to be dormant, but it's not, so that means something is wrong with the rift to the fire plane and the fire Ashari are in trouble. Vax doesn't want to just go off on a side quest to investigate this when the Chroma Conclave is on the loose. But he gets outvoted, and a good thing too, because the situation in Pyra gives them information they need later on. Pyra has been overwhelmed by creatures from the fire plane. Keyleth's father Corrin is there, but there's no time for a family reunion because they need to close the fire rift, which was torn open by a dragon before the rift consumes them. Keyleth and Corrin must control the flames themselves, but Keyleth doubts her abilities since she hasn't completed her Aramente. Also, Kima and Allura are there. They didn't die in Eamon. They're voiced by Stephanie Beatriz and Indira Varma, respectively. Keyleth's line, we can certainly try, is definitely a reference to Matt Mercer's you can certainly try whenever the party wants to attempt something weird. The party fights a bunch of monsters. You know what you fight fire with? Fire. Me. <laughs> But Craven Edge doesn't like his meal of fire guts instead of blood. There's some nasty bit of foreshadowing to Pike's fate in the next episode. Scanlan tells Vex how to activate the broom and BAM! Now Vex is riding her iconic death from above from the stream. Pike learns from Allura that Thordak is the dragon who tore the rift open. Allura, Kima, and another adventuring party tried to tether Thordak to the fire plane with an ancient relic called the Soul Anchor. And when Thordak appeared in Emon, they knew the rift must be open again. It isn't until Corrin is hurt that Keyleth admits that she hasn't finished her Aramente. 
She's not strong enough to close the rift until she hears her mother's voice and remembers her lesson that Air Ashari are meant to pass through fire. Keyleth passes into the fire plane and saves the day by turning into a fire elemental. The rift closes with Keyleth on the other side. But she makes her way back through. Vax returns her staff, a callback to season one. Keyleth has now mastered fire and only needs to complete her water and earth trials. Flame speaker Sir Koros, played by Robbie Damond from Exandria Unlimited and Campaign 3, tells Keyleth that Thordak escaped with the help of someone posing as an Ashari. Kima and Allura are off to Syngorn after a stop in Whitestone. Syngorn is the elvish city we saw Vax and Vex flee in the Sunken Tomb. Vex agrees to Scanlan's deal. She owes him a favor. The deal is sealed with some trinket piss. From there, we see the Herd of Storms, the barbarian horde that Grog was exiled from, laying treasures at the feet of Umbrasil, voiced by Matt Mercer again. The kneeling Goliath is likely Xanror, Grog's rival. Then Ripley appears with a dire warning for the Chroma Conclave that will pay off in the next episode. And from there, we're on to the next episode, episode 6, Into Rhymecleft. This opening where Grog cuts people down in a coliseum feels like a flashback at first until we see that he's using Craven Edge. And when he's murdered Vox Machina, it's revealed to be a dream. The dream ends with Grog's uncle Kevdak, one of the herd of storms we glimpsed at the end of the last episode. In the opening, we also get a Matt Mercer cameo. Vox Machina is on their way to the second Sphinx in Rhymeclef. This area was called Frostwield on the stream, as well as in the published Tal Dore campaign setting, but was changed for the series. Keyleth floats the idea that Vax might be able to ask the Matron of Ravens for help since he's her champion. He doesn't think it's possible. Grog tries to shake off his weird feelings by baby Bjorning Scanlan to his chest, and Scanlan actually likes it. Huh, this is actually kind of cozy. They come across a pillar, and Percy translates the warnings written on it. Vex flies up and discovers more pillars and a secret cave entrance. Hey, at least Vox Machina doesn't have to try to break in through a door this time. Uh, that don't look like no door. I think that's the point. This ancient temple was built before the Calamity, and there they meet the second Sphinx, Kamal Giori. Vox Machina needs to prove their worth in a challenge to get the answers they seek. They can choose between conquering the 70 Death Gorgons, surviving the Endless Labyrinth of Misery, or wounding the Sphinx, a being who has never felt pain. They pick the third, but honestly, the other two might have been easier. Guys, Death Gorgons sound cool as fuck. Let's do that one! This challenge has been changed for the show from a puzzle to an action scene. They're transported to another dimension, where they will take the Sphinx in a one-on-one -on -one battle. The stakes are, if they fail, they will fall through the void for eternity. Craven Edge threatens Grog directly by withering Grog's arm. Fox Machina is defeated, getting blasted off the edge except for Scanlan. Because this is Scanman's moment! He manages to wound the Sphinx's heart with a rock ballad designed to make Kamal Giori miss his partner Osisa. Scanlan is the smartest sage the Sphinx has ever known, which prompts a... The f Scanlan is rewarded with Mythcarver, the team's second vestige. It's a sword connected to all myths and legends, including the other vestiges, so they can use it to find the rest. Scanlan sees a vision of a vestige in the Fey Realm. This is Fenthris, a name which means protector and growth. He also sees another vestige, the Titanstone Knuckles, being worn by Grog's uncle Kevdak. Looks like Grog is about to have a family showdown. Uh, that's probably not important. But not before Umbrasil attacks. Ripley's info was correct, and now Umbrasil wants Mythcarver for his own. While Craven Edge gets to drink some dragon blood, Vox Machina is no match for the dragon. Even the Sphinx can't stand up to Umbrasil's might. Kamal Giori went from feeling no pain to feeling all the pain in a single day. Bad day. Umbrasil has the vestige and Keyleth preps a spell to get them the heck out of there. But Grog can't be distracted from his rage. In a bloodlust, he stabs one of the people he cares about most, Pike. 
Keyleth doesn't have enough time to properly cast her spell, and they're knocked by the dragon as it's being cast. Which leads to Grog, Scanlan, and the Wounded Pike getting separated from the rest during transit. And the party is now split as Vax, Vex, Percy, and Keyleth find themselves in the Fey Realm, leaving us with another cliffhanger as a member of Vox Machina is in mortal danger. Next week's batch of episodes cannot come fast enough. But until then, what did you folks think? What did you think of these three episodes? What was your favorite Crit Roll Easter Egg or reference? Was that back there the whole time? Let us know in the comments below. Thanks for watching. And for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, stay tuned to Nerdist.com.